Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast, part two of part Week 11. Duh. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with my two brothers, Michael Petrop and the loser, loser, loser. You thought I was going to let you go in part two? <laughs> no, loser. Part two. Part two. Loser. That was the best one I've done. Yet. I'm going to just say shit that bothers you this whole time now. It's Monday Night what? Football on MSG. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. When I go 3-0 and against you in one week, nothing can bother me at all. So you could do whatever you want. I'm chilling. And you can go fuck Brodo. yourself. <laughs> the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins when? After Jason's losses, which means now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So the first game that we're going to get into today is a very interesting one. It's the Falcons and the Saints. These two teams are very familiar with one another. Um, Right now, the Saints... Our quarterbackless, air quotes. We don't know whether it's going to be Taysom Hill. We quotes, do know. Winston. We know. It's going to be Jameis Winston, right? Uh, in fact, someone brought this up. Andy Holloway, the fantasy footballer, brought this up. He said, a lot of people are just assuming that Taysom Hill's role is going to increase. But last year when Teddy Bridgewater played, Taysom's Hill, Taysom Hill's role actually decreased because he became the backup quarterback. And the backup quarterback's health is paramount. So you might actually see Taysom Hill's role decrease. I know some people were talking about Taysom Hill being tight end eligible in ESPN leagues and how putting a starting quarterback in your tight end spot would be a cheat code. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, although if it does happen, maybe add Taysom Hill if you have an extra spot just to be, you know, just to be uh, freaky deaky. Uh, but besides that, you're not worrying about that. Let's, let's worry about Jameis. So let's, let's go into this game thinking that Jameis is in play. Alvin Kamara, I don't think he gets affected by this at all. Like I said, he's not the type of guy like Michael mentioned, like Miles Sanders, where it's just like, we don't have anywhere else to go. We're going to go to Kamara. Now, Kamara is their number one receiver right now. Uh, Kamara has the second most receptions in football, and they draw up plays to get Kamara in space, and when he is in space, he does great things with the ball. Um, so I, well, I don't even think we have to talk about Alvin Kamara against the Falcons. Great matchup. Start him. Well, not a great um, matchup, but well, okay. Well, uh, you know, just every matchup for Alvin Kamara is a great matchup. He also Let's has about- zero touchdowns in six career games against Atlanta. Just being devil's advocate here. All right, well, maybe all right, So maybe he I'm never assuming scored? that we shouldn't talk about Kamara. Never scored Let's against Atlanta. Kamara. Let's talk about Kamara. I mean, that's about it. He's never scored against Atlanta, and Atlanta has been surprisingly stout against running backs this year. With that being said, it's Alvin Kamara. In the three games, he's only gone three games without scoring a touchdown. In those games, he was RB 10-3-2. Hilarious. In a PPR, 13-5 and and 3.5 PPR. It's just absurd how ridiculously good he is. So, obviously, you're starting him. I'm just saying he might not have that uh, 40-point ceiling this week. Speaking of 40-point ceilings, um, Jameis Winston gave a lot of people a lot of points last year. Uh, a A lot of that was because he turned the ball over and they had to chase a lot of points. But we all know that Jameis Winston is a quality fantasy quarterback. For me, this may not be the popular opinion, but right now my initial reaction to this is that if Jameis Winston plays, then I'm actually going to upgrade the Saints receivers. I'm going to upgrade Michael Thomas. I'm upgrading Jared Cook. 
I'd even consider playing Emmanuel Sanders. How do you guys feel about that? Um, I see your sentiment. I just don't agree with it. I think that this helps Michael Thomas. Um, Thomas has not been too great since he got back, and it's because he hasn't been targeted that much. He's received six and seven targets the last two weeks. I think that Winston is just worse than Drew Brees, and that means that they're probably going to have to throw a little bit more. So Michael Thomas is going to see a few more targets. And once you start getting to double-digit target range with Michael Thomas, you start getting into wide receiver one potential Michael Thomas. Um, as for the other receivers, I think that um, I don't know if Sean Payton's going to open up the offense that much differently with Jameis Winston. They just try to stick to the same type of offense, which would mean that Emmanuel Sanders isn't going to have the biggest role. Traquan Smith's not going to have the biggest role, although Smith may not play this week. Um, Jared Cook might not have the biggest role. Like, I don't... I wouldn't be surprised if Jameis Winston is just a little more mellow than he was in Tampa Bay. But with that being said, this is still an Atlanta matchup. So I'm firing up Jameis Winston happily, and I'm firing up Michael Thomas happily. I just don't trust the rest of the weapons. What about Jared Cook? We, we've mentioned that Jared Cook... Uh, made tight ends, made tight ends great again when he was in Tampa Bay. Uh, do we see Jared Cook being the recipient of that? Uh, I do like Jared Cook um, this week. I also, I was also gonna say I think Emmanuel Sanders has some flex appeal because they're playing against Atlanta. I don't know but uh, Jared Cook, yeah, uh, Atlanta has been the worst team in the league against the tight end, and like you said, Jameis Winston last year liked to sh- throw to. Uh, over the last several years, has liked to throw to the tight end. The tight end is used in this offense, not a tremendous amount, but it's used enough. And Jared Cook has done well in good matchups this year. So, yeah, I know he's been a big letdown the last couple weeks, including a donut against San Fran. But against Atlanta, I have him as my tight end 12. Um, I think he's a, a decent option. Um. Okay, I mean, that's fair. I like Jared Cook this week. I think he's going to be good. I think that um, I, I like him a lot. I also like, I, like you said, I, I like Emmanuel Sanders uh, with some flex appeal. But let's go over to the other side now. Uh, last week, it was Zacchaeus who led the team in yards, 103 yards on four catches, but it was Julio Jones with the touchdown, uh, five catches for 54 yards and a touchdown for Julio. Russell Gage is basically out of the question. Calvin Ridley, limited practice today keep an eye out follow us on twitter at broto fantasy uh to get updates as the week goes on on this guy on these guys uh but the saints defense has been phenomenal they are they're giving up the least amount of points to running backs right now and their pass defense has been better the last couple weeks i think a lot of this is gonna have to do with how Jameis winston plays if Jameis winston throws two interceptions and the falcons control time of possession i think it could be a big game by the falcons but we've seen the Falcons shit the bed against the Saints before. Uh, bless you. Thank you. And I just don't think – I don't know. Like, I'm I'm starting them, but I'm not starting them with confidence. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I get what you're saying, but sure, New Orleans has played better of late overall. Like, I'm not questioning their rushing defense, but they've played, they've played better pass defense, sure. But they've also played against San Fran. They played well against Tom Brady and then – Chicago, Carolina, three of the last four weeks. Like, that's Bridgewater, Nick Foles, and Nick Mullins. So, three of the last four weeks, it's not really tremendous matchups um, from for opposing quarterbacks. And then Matt Ryan, obviously, coming off a bye as well. Matt Ryan is better than those guys. And 
It's Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley we're talking about. These guys have this year have been just automatic top 15 options as long as they're healthy, and I'm not going to change that this week. This is also a better matchup for Todd Gurley than it was last week. What? Um, what? I'm a little explain confused your, by ex- that as well. Yourself. Against New Orleans? How's it? Well, first off, he had a bye last week. You mean against... No, this is a better matchup than it looked like it would be last week because of the quarterback change. Oh, you you said that completely wrong. It's entirely possible that Jameis Winston is bad or is okay and throws interceptions. And when you're throwing interceptions, you're giving the team more opportunities to score. You might be throwing the interceptions in your, um, on your side of the field. And all Todd Gurley has to do is find the end zone one time. And... He's been finding the end zone a shitload. He has nine touchdowns this season in nine games. I I don't hate this matchup. He's been bad. He's been averaging less than three yards per carry over the last four weeks. You know what cool. else he's done over the last four weeks? Finish as running back three and 13. Besides that, 22 and 27. Like, this guy is running back two written all over him. If he finds the end zone, he's chilling. And I, I like the matchup more than I did looking ahead. Now that Winston is the quarterback for the Saints. Playing Todd Gurley against the Saints is like getting a cheeseburger. Oh no, like a slice of pizza from Seven Eleven. Like it's pizza, but it sucks. Gurley's a top twenty back. He has nine touchdowns on the season. Want to make a bet? To- yes, I do. Yes. All right, put it down, Michael. I have him as my RB twenty, so I'm right on the uh, right on the edge of glory there. But the last what guy. Well, He's the guy him. we all hate. Ah, well, Tim know. doesn't hate him. Me and Jason don't like him. Thank you. Hayden Hurst. He has despicably been a starting option this year. Seven for sixty-two last week. That like that is almost Mark Andrews esque. Yeah, I say despicably because it just seems like he lucks out week after week. Whether it comes, whether it's a crazy wide open touchdown or injuries to other receivers. That's just the way it's been going for Hayden Hurst. But with that being said, if Ridley's out, I like Hurst more. Otherwise, I still think Hayden Hurst has some appeal here. Um, Seven targets at least each of the last three weeks. Um, I'm going to play him as a tight end one if I roster him. Like if you held him through the bye week, clearly you're starting him as your tight end. Um, I don't think it's a bad matchup here against New Orleans. And he's been decent of late. So fire him up. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Matt, how, oh, we d- didn't talk about Matt Ryan. You firing up Matt Ryan? I think he's more a low-end QB1. Uh, it, dep- it really all depends on Jameis Winston. I think they're both... Like, I prefer Matt Ryan to Jameis Winston, but I have them back-to-back as low-end QB1s. Uh, it really depends if Jameis Winston's able to operate that offense, so time will tell. Jameis Winston certainly has some risk, although he also has a lot of upside against Atlanta. Jason mentioned something about, like, this looks like a much better matchup this week than it would have had this matchup gone down last week. And our next game, I think, exemplifies that as well. Bengals at the Washington football team. Washington was the number one defense against the pass going into last week. They uh, were sixth in the league in sacks. And they basically were uh, kryptonite for any type of quarterback that they went into. And then they ran into Matt Stafford and the Lions last week, who really tore them up. Uh, They were the number one defense against the running back out of the backfield. And then DeAndre Swift tore them up. So the Bengals are looking a little better against Washington 
this week. Let's start on the Bengals side. You got Joe Burrow um, at quarterback. Where do you have him ranked, and how do you feel about him? I have Joe Burrow just outside of the top 12. I think he has streaming appeal. And it's because the man is going to throw the ball 40 times, at least, whether you like it or not. He has one game this season with less than 36 attempts. It's remarkable. One game, less than 36 attempts. Like, he's going to throw a lot, and that has resulted in him being a top 20 quarterback every week besides one. And, of course, he wanted to be a top 12 quarterback. But I think that there's some potential here. The Washington defense showed weakness last week. Yeah, I have Joe Burrow as my QB 14 this week. So, decently high because of the passing upside. And Matt Stafford just put on a clinic. The whole Lions offense, really, against Washington, which was surprising. But this is all volume-based. I don't think there's a lot of upside at all. Like, I think his ceiling this week is around, like, QB 10. I just think he ends up around QB 14 based on... uh volume of passing because the dude passes 40 plus times a game at this point and he has solid weapons I just I don't see him be having a huge ceiling though because Washington's defense has been uh very very stout prior to last week's game against Denver uh, excuse me Detroit uh let's go over to the wide receiver options T Higgins has emerged uh, we talked about him on the on the Monday pod as a must start every week um now, Kendall Fuller doesn't look like the best matchup, but according to the PFF chart, Kendall Fuller plays 85% of the time on the right side, and T. Higgins also lines up on the right side most of the time. But with that being said, they can move him around the formation to avoid Kendall Fuller. Uh, PFF has Kendall Fuller on A.J. Green. The reason why we're so uh, I'm so gung-ho about that is because Kendall Fuller has been very good this year, um, unlike the rest of these guys. Um AJ Green, I think he's to the point where if you have him on your bench, uh, he should stay there unless you're desperate. Uh, I don't think he could be on the waiver wire, but I think that he's a bench player right now. T. Higgins, on the other hand, great week last week. I expect him to have a great week this week. And Tyler Boyd gets the best matchup in terms of just matchups here. Uh, Jimmy Moreland has been the worst cornerback on the team, and he's the one that guards the slot 72% of the time. So the question is, um, who do you start here? I like Higgins and Boyd. Yeah, honestly, I think they're both set it and forget it wide receiver twos at this point. Like Tyler Boyd's about as consistent as you can get, and T. Higgins has also joined him on that consistency train. Like once he got more involved in the offense starting week three, like week one he didn't play much. Week two he got involved a little bit. Week three is when he really like stepped up and became a big part of that offense. He's never been lower than wide receiver 47. He's been a top 27 wide receiver every game except two. Like, T. Higgins has just become this guy that you put in your lineup every week and you know you're going to get a solid performance. And I don't think it's going to change against Washington. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of passing uh, volume here. They just really operated a great passing attack between Higgins and Burrow um, against Pittsburgh. So I'm firing up Tyler Boyd. I'm firing up T. Higgins, both as wide receiver twos. Maybe they don't have the touchdown upside against Washington as much, but they should at least put up a bunch of yards and receptions again. What about the running back situation? You guys mentioned that Mixon missed another practice. He, he looks like, again, that he's not going to play. He's been week to week for a while, and the weeks are just... I hate the fact that Joe Mixon is hurt right now because it gives excuses to all these Joe Mixon people of why Joe Mixon sucked this year, as if he didn't suck completely before this. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be the same shit again. 
next year. It's going to be all all the wannabe fantasy analysts on Twitter talking about how this is the year Joe Mixon finally breaks out, and it just never happens. Uh, it's definitely not going to happen this week, and Gio Bernard takes the, takes it again. Now, Gio Bernard has been very good. The only problem is he faced a very good defense last week, so he was not good then the, in the Steelers. This is another very good defense against the run, particularly against the pass catcher out of the backfield. So with that being said, uh, what do you see for Gio Bernard in this matchup? I'm still trusting him, man. Look, he had back-to-back games with 18 touches before seeing 12 last week. And yeah, Samaj P. Ryan got a bit more work. But it was a weird game. Cincinnati was down the whole time. Um, Pittsburgh really had their way with them. So I'm just going to look at it as kind of a blip on the radar because I do think that Joe Bernard, look, let's not forget that he was running back 7-2 and two before finishing as running back 30 last week. He only had 12 touches the weeks before 18, like I just said. So we're looking at someone who has thrived in situations where he's actually been given work and where his team has been competitive. And I think that they're going to be competitive against Washington. So even though it's not the best matchup on earth, Gio is going to have a decent game. Michael, let me ask you a question because I don't have the stat in front of me and I didn't think of, to look it up before right now. What is the What does PFF say about the pass uh, protection for the Bengals and the pass rush for the for the for Washington? Uh, for pass, it's actually not as bad as I expected. For pass, they're uh, basically even, negative one percent for Cincy, and then negative eleven eleven percent rushing for Cincy for running. Interesting. So not Interesting. too, not too much of a disparity there. I would expect it to be different because Cincinnati's offensive line is notoriously bad, and the Washington defensive line is notoriously good. So, uh, it's interesting. Maybe the the O line for Cincy has been better than meets the eye. Uh, that's one thing that I admit my weaknesses in evaluating O line. I can't tell the fucking difference between a good O line and a bad O line. Besides, the bad O lines give up sacks. Um, so I do rely on PFF for things like this because they're pretty good at that. Um, yeah, and when when you're playing fantasy football, by the way, like if you have a weakness and you've identified it don't, and you want to lean on someone else, lean. It's, it's, it's no big deal. You know what I'm saying? Um, let's go over to the other side of this matchup. What do you guys say? Let's do it. The Washington football team. Alex Smith looked like he was getting comfortable in the second half last week. Uh, fun fact, this is the first – these last two weeks is the first time in Alex Smith's – Alex Smith is Alex Smith's career that he has passed for 300 yards in back-to-back games. So very ugly, man. Interesting might I add. Stat there, uh, ugly, yes, but <laughs> during the end of the game, he looks like he got on a roll. Uh, I was worried as a Terry McLaurin manager that he was going to be um, left in the dust, but it it seems as though this is the best quarterback that he'll play in. Just w- with the eye test, how do you feel about? Uh, Terry McLaurin in this one. Look, real quick, though, I want to say because everyone's like, Alex Smith threw for 390 yards. Oh, Ron Rivera, he's back. His true throw value last week was .284, which slots in at QB 39. He's QB 38 on the season. So, no, he wasn't great last week. He just threw 55 times. Also, there was a split between the first half and the second half. That needs to be said. Alex Smith is only the 11th quarterback ever. To throw for 390 yards in a game without throwing a touchdown. Shout out Ryan That's McDowell crazy. for that one. That's pretty crazy. Well, with that I being like said, Ryan. I'm not starting him this week against Cincy, even in a 
good matchup. Obviously, you're starting Terry McLaurin because he's just an absolute stud that you start every week. And it's a good matchup against Cincy. You know who uh, their wide receiver one is, though, Tim? I, I was gonna I was about to say this. Go ahead, Jason. J.D. McKissick. Let's talk about the backfield. J.D. Gibson. McKissick and his 15 targets were the most targets a running back has seen in a game this season. And it's not a fluke. This is coming off of a game where J.D. McKissick saw how many targets? 14. 14. How many did he see before that with Alex Smith, a quarterback? Eight. He's their wide receiver, too, at the moment, behind Terry McLaurin. So McKissick is a good running back to play in PPR leagues. Decent running back to play in half PPR leagues. In standard, he could probably remain on your bench. And Antonio Gibson, look, this is a team that's effective on the ground so far. And Antonio Gibson continues to find the end zone. He's become their goal line back. This is all backwards. The wide receiver in college is now the goal line back. And the guy who... J.D. McKissick is now the receiving back. Whatever you want to say about it, both are getting touches. Gibson had 17 touches last week. He even had four target. He even had four catches himself. So Alex Smith targeted the running back 19 times last week. So Gibson and McKissick are good plays. Let me add, though, if I roster Antonio Gibson, I'm looking to sell him right now 100%. Really? I am huh. so mind-boggled by this idea that Antonio Gibson has, like, shown up. He played 37% of the snaps last week. McKissick played 70%. McKissick scored on a one-yard touchdown rush. Yes, Gibson Gibson scored two more touchdowns. What did he do besides that? 13 rushes, 45 yards. Yeah, he had the four receptions, but guess what? Alex Smith dropped back the pass 55 times. Cincinnati has been actually pretty stout against the run. They get Pittsburgh and San Fran after they get Dallas in Week 12. People are treating Antonio Gibson like he's just locked and loaded RB, like top 15 running back right now. I'd absolutely sell him. I, I mean, I, see I think he's a low from. end RB2 this week, and he's his expert a, consensus ranking is RB12. I think that's bananas. He's been a top eight running back two out of the last three weeks. The one game he wasn't, he was throwing back 17, and he's playing 40% of snaps. Top 10 overall. Touchdowns, touchdowns, it's touchdowns. It's about potential, dude. Yeah, he played 37% of snaps last week. That's disgusting. And he was running back eight. On a terrible offense. I'm eight. down to start him, but I see where Michael's talking about in terms of... Um, he should never be ranked as RB1. He's a mid to low-end RB2 touchdown dependent, period. All right, you're talking about a difference of five guys. Relax. You know who else I like on this team, though? Logan Thomas. Four catches, 66 yards last week. Made him the tight end six. He was on the field for 87 out of the 88 snaps Washington played. And he received the, uh, how many targets? Six targets, which was third behind McKissick and McLaurin, the wide receiver one and two on that team. Thomas is the third option on that team right now. And if Alex Smith is going to be a check down all-star, that's good things for the tight end. Yeah. Let's go to the next. I agree. He's a, he's a solid streaming option. I agree. Let's go to the next game. The Jets at the Chargers. As a Jets fan, this game worries me because the Chargers are the type of team that will lose to a team with no wins. Um, with just In the history of the Anthony Lynn-led Chargers, they have terrible, terrible, terrible losses to teams they have no business losing to. So it scares me as a Jets fan because I am I have officially joined the all aboard the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon. I'm on. I'm in. Um, I, I, I think Sam's going to be a great player somewhere else. 
if I was the Indianapolis Colts, I would be trying to acquire Sam Darnold. If I was the, the the Saints, I'd be trying to acquire Sam Darnold. If I was the Bears, I'd be trying to acquire Sam Darnold. I think he has a very good, uh, a very good future in the league. With that being said, um, I don't want anything to do with anyone else besides Trevor Lawrence for the next ten years uh, with the Jets. Although I'll be happy if if anyway. Uh, let's get to the point. Uh, the Chargers are in a home run matchup here. Pierre Desir, the worst cornerback ever. Just got released. So that sucks because usually versus Pierre Desir means big time fantasy points. So we got to take that off the table. It's but not let's like talk his backup about... is going to lock people down. Right, exactly. So uh, Keenan Allen obviously is a home run type play here. Mike Williams is in play as well. How do you guys feel about these pass catching wide receivers? Keenan Allen is a stud, man. Even when he's not getting the volume you want to see, he scores a touchdown. So. Like, there you go. And then Mike Williams, right when we started to come around a little bit, drops back down to five targets, two for 38. Um, so he's going to just be a boom-bust wide receiver three for the rest of the season. And I'm it's always and I'm always going to be on the side of probably sit him, even in a great matchup against the Jets. Like, there's always a chance that he's just not going to get work. Like, nah, he's boom-bust, but against the Jets, I'm starting him. Fact. They just cut Pierre this year and Brian Poole. The Jets' best defender, in my opinion, by far. That's true. Is now on injured reserve. It's true. Literally, like, he usually, he guards his slot, so he would have been on Keenan Allen, but I'm just firing up that entire offense. What I was going to say, though, is for Mike Williams in particular, matchup doesn't matter because he just makes ridiculous plays. Every time he, he's on the field, if he has a good game, he made a ridiculous play. So it doesn't matter if there's a good defender on him because he's making ridiculous plays. So I think, like... It's not really matchup that decides if he's going to go off or not. It's just whether he makes a crazy play. But there's definitely going to be a chance for that against the Jets. Um, the I I actually have to I had to Google Jets depth chart right now just to see who they're starting at cornerback. Um, we got ourselves a Bryce Hall who is a fifth round rookie, Virginia. Um, yes, we got Jevelyn Gidry. Never heard of Bless, him in my life. Bless on Austin. And get this, Lamar, Jack, Lamar Jackson. We have a cornerback named Lamar Jackson. So the Jets did guys... get Lamar Jackson. Fire. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> um, I think Justin Herbert's also a home run play here. Yes. Um, but the real thing I want to talk about is the the storyline that everyone wants to talk about. Kalen Balage, revenge game. Kalen Balaj gets to go to Adam Gase and say, look what you've done to my career. I spent two games without you, and I am a hot pickup on the waiver wire right off the bat. Uh, he got all the work last week, despite the fact Tremaine Pope was active, despite the fact uh, Kelly was active. He got the work. He'll probably get the work again in a good matchup against the Jets. I don't see why you can't start Kalen Balaj. Kalen Balaj is, yeah, I agree. He, after this game, is going to send Adam Gase a montage and collage of Balage scoring touchdowns. A collage Balage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I automatically, one of the first things I did when I started my rankings was move Kalen Balage up because I knew he was going to be ranked a little too low. I currently have Same him here. as RB18. Same here. I'm even considering moving him up a little more. Same the, here. <laughs> the concern for me is... Same here. The concern for me is that the Jets... 
defense as terrible as it is is worse against the pass than it is against the run. So I also just wouldn't be shocked if it's more of a Justin Herbert week than it is a ground and pound type of week for the Chargers. But then again, they could also just take a huge lead and then hand it off to Balazs 20 times. He did just see 18 carries. He absolutely dominated the work in that backfield, saw 73% of snaps. Uh, Joshua Kelly at this point is just purely a backup. Balazs saw six targets, five receptions, 34 yards. I was going to say six targets, even if it is a... Kelly wasn't uh, even targeted once. If it, even if it was a Herbert game, like it could still be a Balazs game. Yeah, so I'm yeah. uh I'm starting Clayton Balazs as a uh, high upside RB two this week, and Joshua Kelly is just a low low end flex play that you shouldn't really play, in my opinion. Hunter Henry is someone who has been disappointing. Uh, any yes. any reason that changes this week? <clears throat> he's a disappointing man. It's disappointing because according to True Throw Values, he's the fourth tight end. He's seeing val. He's seeing targets from Justin Herbert, who hasn't been that bad. He's just not doing much with it, man. And people are acting like he's a set and forget tight end. I moved him back from expert consensus six to thirteen. It's a good matchup, but it's it like it's the Jets. It might be the Balazs show. It might be the Allen show. Mike Williams might step up. All we know is that Hunter Henry is basically good. For three to four catches. Literally, look at his last five games. He has either three or four catches and either 23 or 33 yards. One game with 30. <laughs> In all the games. It's crazy. It's like a mirror image of each other all the time. The fuck is 23 and 33? Like, he's just... That's who he is right now. So Finally caught a touchdown last week. Caught a touchdown last week, so he was the tight end too, of course. Um, besides that, he hadn't been in a top 12 tight end since week five. So do with that what you may. I have my tight end 13. I think he's startable because it's the Jets. But if you have other options, I prefer Logan Thomas this week, for example. Interesting. Let's go over to the Jets side. Joe Flacco does tend to go deep a little bit more than Sam Darnold does. Does that give you a little bit of a tickle in your pickle for Mr. Brashad Perriman? For me, the Chargers defense has just been progressively getting better um, this season. Despite the fact that they're losing, they're like they're dropping like flies. Shout out to Gus Bradley, who we've talked about as being one of the best defensive coordinators in the league on the low for years because he didn't have a successful head coaching job with the Jaguars, but no one really does. Uh, Gus Bradley's defense is playing out of their mind right now. Yeah, they they just been improving week after week, and guess what? Joe Flacco and the Jets. Oh, why would you be scared of that team? So I mean, at this point. Honestly, like, who are you going to start on the Jets? I think even even Jamison Crowder, like, last time he played, wasn't even that good. And he's just been so hurt. Like, the days where he was a locked and loaded wide receiver, too, are months away now. And you don't know how he's going to be once he, uh, like, he caught a touchdown against New England, but he only saw two targets, and his snap share wasn't as high as it typically is. I mean, I think, I think Crowder's a wide receiver, three, but then you got Perriman and Mims. It's just, like, how are you going to trust those guys either? Like, I, I'd I rather have Crowder in my flex and leave Perriman and Mims on my bench because unless they score a 50-yard touchdown, they're going to be useless. For me, it's natural progression, right? So, like, yeah, he got 13 targets when the other guys on the field are Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. But you put guys like Mims and Perriman on the field, he's just going to get less targets. And plus Joe Flacco throws to him less. Um, it, it makes sense. What about Piran? Um LaMichael P. Ryan, fourth-round pick for the Jets. They mentioned that he is going to be the starting running back because they want to evaluate him. Uh, Frank Gore had been getting work, of course, 
because we're the Jets and Adam Gaze is our head coach. Um, how do you feel about Piran? Because this is a guy who, hey, if he's getting 15 to 20 touches a game, why not, right? Yeah, but that's the question, right? Um, 15 to 20 touches is a big ask considering he has not had 15 touches in a game this season. The most touches he's had in a game is 13. So Adam Gase can say all he wants about getting Piran touches, but we can't believe it till we see it. And I think that there's some potential back-end flex appeal here in case they do come out of the bye and he does get the work that people are talking about. I have him as a 29th running back, um, but it's also a chance that the team just sucks and he doesn't do much with it, like we saw last week against New England. So I think Piran is more of a stash for the future. Um, but all he has to do is fall into the end zone one time. Tough task for running backs as the Jets to be worthwhile. I, I'd just like to see how much he actually plays because it does make no sense for an 0-9 team to be using Francoeur. Looking forward to the day where Chris Herndon can go to like the Cardinals or something and be the superstar that he is meant to be. Tim is just um, all aboard the the good luck Chuck Adam Gase storyline. Like, oh, I'm, I'm Herndon's gonna it. go be a star. Darnold is gonna go somewhere and be a stud. Yeah, I I have no doubt that Adam Gase is the person holding this team back. I have no doubt about it. Oh yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I mean, it's it's very clearly obvious if you watch. But let's move on because we've talked about the Jets enough and. Just, ugh. That is very Gosh darn uh, Let's go to the Dolphins at the Broncos. Um, to attack of Viola, is there any reason why you would say he's a starting quarterback at this point? Look, man, I'm just – it's a little frustrating to me to see all this hype around Tua because I he understand well – Yo, he he's well. been well, but he's basically been Alex Smith. Like, the Dolphins have been a great – team overall over the last several weeks while Tua has gone 3-0 but Tua has simply been a game manager like let's stop hyping this guy up as if he's been like this star like if in my opinion I would 100% take Herbert and Burrow over this guy as of right now like I don't care that the team's 3-0 he's playing as a game manager let's slow down crowning him this like star already like there's a difference between the team being three and zero and leading the team to three and zero, and he simply hasn't been leading the team to three and zero. But against the Cardinals, he played that was his best game. But again, I'm just saying, slow your roll a little bit. He threw for 169 yards against the Chargers last week, 15 completions. The offense was like Salvan Ahmed's offense, basically. I'm not starting Tua this week, no, against Denver. Uh, Denver's defense also has been solid this year and has been getting better. Talking about the. Oh, sorry. Never mind. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was gonna. I mixed up defenses. Michael said Denver defense. Oh. I just want to say I'm, though, Miami D, the Rippy and Broncos, the Jets, and then Cincinnati three weeks in a row. So they're a good pickup. If they are, if they are available, get them. They're probably not available at the moment. Um, if you have them, start them. Of course, uh, you're not making a a big decision in that one. Um, the Dolphins running back situation we mentioned. And by the way, Tua was picked up over Jameis Winston by the person that I'm playing who has an injured Drew Brees uh, this week, and I'm very happy about that. Um, like Savon Ahmed got the bulk of the carries last week, and Michael mentioned something on the Monday pod. Well, Savon Ahmed got more work than Miles Gaskin ever got this year. So um, he's the guy until Miles Gaskin gets back until further notice. I don't think there's any guarantee that Miles Gaskin takes his role back if Ahmed continues to to be this guy. How do you feel about him against the Broncos team? That's, again, this is not a great matchup, not a bad matchup. It's just kind of a bland matchup. 
Yeah, I'm firing up Ahmed probably if I have him. Um, he had the only target to Dolphins running backs last week. He ran the most third down snaps. He obviously had the most carries. He's the basically the workhorse in Miami at the moment. Yeah. And there's a chance Matt Breida comes back this week, and that might confuse things. But I don't see Ahmed going away so much that he's not worth a start anyway. He also had more touches percentage-wise overall than Miles Gaskin ever had this year. And Miles Gaskin has been operating as a workhorse when healthy. Like he had 21 rushes, 85 yards, a touchdown. And this is clearly a team that's trying to manage the game. And Denver's been solid against the run, yes. But Ahmed is likely going to see a ton of work again. So I agree. I have him as a uh, top 24 option this week. RIP to the game show guest Jordan Howard's line. Um, really liked that one. He was released, unfortunately. No Mooney line the this final week. Line. The Bears are on by. No Mooney line. The final Jordan Howard stat line. 28 rushes, 33 yards. Four touchdowns? I think five? it was like six touchdowns. I think it was five touchdowns. Four touchdowns? To the 28-33 is off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I just remember that, but I don't remember the specific touchdown. Um, let's go to the wide receivers. Another touchdown caught by Devontae Parker made him fantasy eligible last week. No, but what are you talking no, about? Jakeem Grant caught the touchdown. Yeah. Well, Parker had a touchdown that was reversed because he was out oh, of bounds. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was, it was reversed. So he sucked. Um, Jakeem Grant was the guy that really was the main dude, it seemed. Yeah. Uh, not like the main dude, but the second main dude. In terms of targets, Parker was the main dude. But shout out my guy, Jakeem Grant, man. Not getting enough love. 68th in expert consensus. I popped him up to 40. I think he's a legit flex play. The guy can do things with the ball in his hands. And the best part about last week was that his touchdown was within the five-yard line. Within the five-yard line. Yeah, dude's 5'7". Five, 5'7", seven. Five, seven, catching touchdowns in the end zone. He can do a lot. And I see things like, sorry person who has this blurb on Fantasy Pros, but still he isn't fantasy relevant ahead of week 11. And I just ask myself, what is happening? Because people want to rank Devontae Parker as like a top 20 wide receiver, even though this guy, honestly, let's be real, has had one good career, one good season in his life, and hasn't been a top 30 receiver in four weeks now. So let's stop with the Devontae Parker fucking suck-off fest, and let's admit that Jakeem Grant's actually a good player, and Devontae Parker isn't just some stud This has to go with Tua as well being a game manager. I didn't expect to get this riled up over yeah. this, but it me just pisses me off. Oh, like, everyone's just assuming <laughs> Devontae Parker's some stud. He's barely been a stud this season. He has two games as a top, tw- two games as a top 20 wide receiver. But they're going to keep ranking him there while Tua's being a game manager? Jakeem yeah. Grant could break the game open on any play either. I don't even think it's crazy to say start Grant over Parker. I'm honestly, I'm not going to start Grant over Parker, but I do not have them far apart. I have Parker's a low-end wide receiver three option, and until something changes, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. With Tua under center, he's put up one catch for three yards and a touchdown, six catches for 64 yards, and two catches for 31 yards. And I know... He had a touchdown taken away from him last week. Well, that was a goal line score. Add that in, and he has three catches, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Still not a game where you're like, yeah, let's go with Devontae Parker. And Denver has been getting better each week defensively as well. And Bryce Callahan, who is likely to line up on Devontae Parker, 
is the number two rated overall cornerback this year on PFF. He's like, been phenomenal. Bryce Callahan, yeah, he's been a very good cornerback. So I agree that I'm just not really high on Devontae Parker at all unless something changes because Tua right now, if he's going to be attempting 20 to 25 passes a game, like that's six, seven targets tops for Parker. Yeah, he had seven targets each of the last two weeks. And like he's getting red zone looks, but he hasn't been connecting. He needs to find the touchdown to be a top 36 option at this point. And while we're on the topic... Slept on. As Tim said, Bryce Callahan has had a great season. But while we're on the topic of people who suck and are overrated, hello, Kettle. Meet fucking pot Mike Kosicki. Yo, Jason, you need to, like, go and take a volume. No, because Mike Kosicki can get the fuck out of here, too. And you know also I can get the fuck out of here, dude? This game is pissing me off because it's filled with (laughs) overrated people. No (laughs) offense. What makes this guy a top five tight end every week? Yo, 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 yo. No, 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 Tim, no. What makes Noah Fant a top five tight end? Ranked every week within the top five. Absolutely you know when the absurd. last time he was in top top in the top five? Like week two. Week one. Week one. There you go. He hasn't been a top ten tight end since week two. All he's done is come back and do nothing. And now Drew Locke isn't even going to play probably. And uh, they're no, playing. He's, he's supposed to play. All right. He might play, but while hurt. And now they're playing a resurgent Miami defense. Best and we're just going to keep Miami taking team. this guy. And throwing him out there saying he's a top five tight end when he was being outplayed by Albert O before Albert O got injured. Get the out of here. Fuck the tight ends in this game. <laughs> Just for this week. I like Fant in the long run, but he's being overrated, man. I do. Tight agree. end five, it's wild. I do agree that he's Jason, being. Jason, shut up. He's <laughs> being Michael, shush. severely overrated this week. Gosh. Dolphins D is the best play of the game. Let's go to the Broncos since Jason already took it upon himself to go to the Broncos. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Drew Locke might not play. I, the Broncos all over. Like, I don't want – it's icky to have any of them. Like, Jerry Judy's probably the best player, but you never know what you're getting because Drew Locke sucks. Drew Locke, you're not going to start. And, I mean, Melgo is a bum. Uh, Phillip Lindsay, you can't trust. Noah Fan hasn't been good. I mean, the Dolphins have been beatable. They've been making big plays. They've been causing turnovers. They've been scoring. But they haven't been a great defense, but I don't have any trust in any Bronco. None. Zero Broncos. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Judy has been decent of late. He's the one I'd like to trust the most. Tim Patrick also has the touchdown appeal. I don't hate those guys as flex options, but, I mean, that's about it at this point. With the way Drew Locke is playing and everything, I don't see how you could trust these guys. The only way... They become relevant is in the second half when Denver's down 20 points and Locke needs to throw 100 times. Like, they're being forced to be garbage time all-stars at this point, which is why I don't mind them as wide receiver three flex plays, but that's about it, I think. I mean, Miami has a strong secondary that keeps getting better each week, too, with Byron Jones, uh, Xavier Howard and company. So I agree with you. It's not, not appealing at all. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? The running backs are a joke. Melgo and Lindsey both haven't reached five fantasy points each of the last two weeks. They're they're not getting anything on the ground. They're not even getting involved in the passing game. Melgo and Lindsey are both outside my top 25 this week. I don't know how you could play them confidently at this point. It's just been that whole offense is really, really breaking down. Correct. And also on the topic of Drew Locke, he might not even practice this week and then play. We saw what happened to... Matt Stafford when he did that, it was ugly. So, uh, Drew Locke's not as good as Matt Stafford either. 
Let's move on to the next game. I think this will probably be the quickest game of the week. Cowboys at the Vikings. Um, to be very clear, the Vikings have a very funnel offense. Dalvin Cook, you're going to start every single week because you know his, the offense runs through him. But when they do decide to pass, uh, it's effective and it's efficient. Kirk Cousins was the number one overall QB last week. Um, Jefferson Jefferson had a great game just on volume of eight <laughs> catches, 135 yards. Um Adam Thielen had a great week last game. So it's really those three guys who you're going to start every week, and there's no reason why you don't love the Cowboys matchup. Um, unless you guys have anything to add to that, I think we could move past that to Irv Smith. How do you guys feel about the tight end situation? Because I think everyone else in the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is a good streamer. The two wide receivers are starters, and Dalvin Cook's Dalvin Cook. Yeah, just to touch on that a little bit, yo – Kirk Cousins gets too much hate, in my opinion, and he remains he remains an extremely efficient quarterback. He's up to fourth in true throw value. The only thing is he doesn't throw that much, and I think against Dallas, we might see him throw air it out a little bit more because that secondary is awful, which means great things for Thielen and um, Justin Jefferson, who I have as wide receiver 9 and 13. On the topic of tight end, I if Irv Smith is healthy, it's a little tougher because of the he's been... Um, he like he was increasing his playing time, but you never know when he gets back from injury if Kyle Rudolph is gonna be a part of the offense still. Like injury always is a little concerning when it comes to playing time. If Smith is out, I think Kyle Rudolph has appeal as a streaming tight end. He went four for sixty three last week. Dallas is a bad defense and he's not competing with Irv Smith. I mean, if Irv Smith plays, I think he has a I mean he's had an affinity for the end zone of late, so Again, as a tight end, that's valuable. So I do think he's at least a streaming option. I do want to say, I didn't say this when we were talking about Bryce Callahan. I'm going back here for a second. You know the dude was a UDFA in 2015? Nice. And now he's a stud. Shout out to Bryce Callahan. He's one of the biggest reasons why the Bears defense has gone from elite to just very good. Like, they're still very good. But that year where they were elite, Bryce Callahan shut down all the slot receivers in the league. Um I, I worry about game script in this game for the Vikings, man. I worry if, if they get it out to a big lead against the Cowboys, they're just going to run it down their throats the whole time. Dallas's defense has been getting progressively better this season as well, surprisingly. That is, that is true. That is true. Let's go over to the Cowboys side. Uh, Andy Dalton is back. So far, not so good in terms of Andy Dalton, but he does uh, target Amari Cooper a little more. So Amari Cooper is probably a better play than he was. The Vikings' pass defense is not Good, so great matchup. Um, I mean, the days of the Cowboys having three viable wide receivers are over. Um, CD Lamb possible. I think that Michael Gallup should be on the waiver wire in every league at this point. How do you feel about the pass catching options for the Cowboys? Uh, I do want to say that talking about improved defenses, Minnesota has played in three games since their bye week, they have yet to allow more than 22 points, and one of those games was against Green Bay. Uh, Detroit as well, and then Chicago. So it's not like they played three bad teams. Chicago, that offense sucks. But Green Bay and Detroit, Green Bay and Detroit are certainly solid offenses. Prior to the bye week, they never went a game allowing less than 23 points. So that defense has certainly been on the rise as well. Um, and they're vying, they're right in the playoff hunt now at four and five. Uh, but with that being said, look, yeah, like you said, Andy Dalton is certainly an upgrade, but. How much of an upgrade is Andy Dalton? Let's see. He's been out with an injury, and he sucked prior to the injury. I agree with you in that Amari Cooper at this point, 
he's the best of the bunch. I'd play him as a wide receiver three, uh, just because it is the the uh, Minnesota secondary has not been good this season, although they've been better of late. Um, C.D. Lamb, I do think, is a, a semi-decent flex option because Andy Dalton did target him a bunch that one game, and he's been even a flex-worthy player the last couple weeks with Ben DiNucci and great Garrett Grayson at QB. DiNucci. So I think Lamb has some flex appeal. Michael Gallup is... Well, he's going to come out and score like 240-yard touchdowns, and and then people are going to want him again. Watch. But I don't see how you could possibly start Michael Gallup this week. I mean, yeah, I don't, again, I don't it's agree. a good matchup against Minnesota. I wouldn't be shocked if he catches a long touchdown, but he's basically like the no, worst. He's like the worst stop, MVS. Stop, 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 stop. Spend too much time. We've already talked about him for too long. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, go. Um, apparently Ezekiel Elliott is feeling stiffness in his hamstring, a.k.a. I've been to do, so I need to make up an excuse. No, no, the no, classic. It's not, it's not I've been to do. It's my team sucks. We have no shot. I have a lot of money. I am used a lot. I'm going to, I'm the team and I are going to fake an injury to get me fake rest. That's, yeah. that's what it really is. Nothing like the kid at the park who like gets the ball stolen from him or his fucking gets his block, his uh, shot blocked to the other side of the court. And then he starts like grabbing his ankle or something. He's like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I am going to say, though, Zeke's probably going to play this week. And it does help him that Dalton's back because Dalton is at least a competent quarterback. He's not the Ben, the Danucci. Even though Grayson didn't look too bad last time they played. Yeah, Grayson um, looked good. Yeah, but right now Zeke is definitely more of an RB2. And you have to hope that he finds the end zone because he's getting the work, but he's also being super inefficient. Like, He's going to get at least 16 rushes, but he needs to do something with that. This sounds very foreign, uh, what I'm about to say. But I kind of like Tony Pollard better what? than Zeke. What's up with your obsession with Tony yeah, Pollard? Listen, Pollard listen, listen, I like Tony Pollard better than Zeke if Zeke doesn't play. So I like I like Tony Pollard with the backfield by himself. Zeke's going to Zeke. play. Uh, you know, if he doesn't play, though, I like Tony Pollard in this matchup. All right, let's go over to the next game. Packers well, I just got to say, Dalton Schultz, if you want four to six points and a tight end finish between 10 and 18, he's your guy. That Better than Gusecki. That is four two six points, not 46. Four two um, six points, correct. Packers at the Colts is the next matchup. The Colts defense has been fire, bro. Like, it they've has. been really, really good. And they're, fire, they're facing. Bro? Fire, bro. But they're facing Fire, a team bro. right now, the Packers, that are <laughs> hot. Um, Aaron Rodgers is hot. Uh, Aaron Jones uh, didn't have a great game last game. Uh, still kind of like easing back. Uh, but MVS exploded. Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Who do you like in this game against a great Colts defense? Uh, fun fact about Aaron Jones, since he didn't have the best game last week. I like fun facts. Um, he played eight snaps as a wide receiver or in the slot. So good Good to see there. Um, you like to see him lined up as a receiver because he is one of the best pass-catching backs in the league. Um, but against a very good Colts defense, we expect Jones to do what he does. We expect Adams to do what he does. And then after that, it gets blurry. Um, MVS is on a roll. And I said on the review pod, True Value said that at some point Scantling was going to break out because he was just seeing way too many good targets from Aaron Rodgers. But Alan Lazard expected back this week. Um, Robert Tunyon still rolling around in that offense. 
So if we're talking about three people, because we're not even talking about like Jamal Williams getting some work as well, that's four people who are going to get some work against a very good defense. It's hard to pick one when you know Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are going to eat. So <laughs> Michael, these new glasses, man, the thing keeps popping out. Um, I think that you're not going to trust either of those guys. Yeah, I'd be hard bent to, or fuck, why do I keep saying that? And it's that not a your, real phrase. That should be the nickname for your penis. <laughs> hard bent. <laughs> Good one. Anyways, it'd be tough for me to start MVS or Lazard this week uh, against Indy. That has just been a tremendous defense. Uh, every time you think they're going to give uh, give up a, like, just show some weakness in a game, they don't. Like, even against Tennessee, they gave Tennessee. up a first drive touchdown and then absolutely locked down that offense for the rest of the game. So I agree here. Um, I'm starting A-Rod as a lower-end QB1 than typical this week. I do think there's some downside there. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and that's it. I don't see how you could really trust anyone else, even uh, Robert Tunyon, who hasn't scored more than five in like four of the last five games, and Indy has been the best against uh, tight ends. So True that. Tunyon's another tight end who people are sucking off for no reason. Yeah, he has um, one one three guys... touchdown game, and then everyone acts like he's a star. Yeah, uh, he has not been good. Um, any anyone else you want to talk about on the Packers? Did you guys touch on Aaron Jones as much as you wanted to? We did. Yeah, we're good. I mean, you have to start Aaron Jones. Uh, Jamal Williams always mixes in too, but this isn't the spot where you trust Jamal I feel like Williams. SpongeBob out there. <laughs> the Colts have been playing uh, the hot hand at running back, and it's showed again. Three headed running back, Jonathan Taylor. I don't know what you could do with him. Um, I guess you just got to keep him on your bench and hope that one of the guys in front of him gets hurt or that he finds his groove. Uh, Naheem Hines looks like the best play of the backfield at the moment. And Jordan Wilkins, you know, he's a guy that if he gets rolling, they give him the ball. But if he doesn't get rolling, he's not going to see the ball. So, I mean, how are you guys looking at this backfield against the Packers in particular? Who's, Look, who's a great matchup against running back? So you're going to want to play a running back in this matchup. I, I, I lean Jordan Wilkins in this particular matchup. This is also Indy has the best O-line matchup for the running game, according to the PFF O-line D-line chart Ba-boom. this week. I'm all aboard the Naheem Hines train, man. Um, diving in. I know he's let us down in the past, but look, he just got 56% of the carries and absolutely dominated the workload. He had eight more snaps than uh, Taylor and Wilkins combined. And he looked way better than they did. And I don't even think that's debatable. Like that offense was so much better with Naheem Hines on the field. 12 rushes for 70 yards. He caught five passes, two separate touchdowns. And meanwhile, every time Taylor and Wilkins were getting touches, we you just see them get stuffed at the line. Like Naheem Hines bring a, brings a different dimension to that offense. And... Week one, we saw this happen, and we were like, pick up Naheem Hines. Everyone said that, and then it was kind of like, blah, after that, and we were like, what happened? It's different now, man. Like, this isn't the Colts, like, week two, all right, Naheem Hines played well, but we got a rookie, Jonathan Taylor, we need to play him. It's now week 11. They're in the playoff hunt. They're going to play their best running back, period. Jonathan Taylor has been a huge letdown. Jordan Wilkins has been solid, but it's not like he's... This uh, this guy that the Colts are looking for to be like their star for the future or anything. 
I think Naheem Hines absolutely earned the right to get more work this week. Am I going to be shocked if it just goes back to that dreaded three-headed backfield and Naheem Hines doesn't lead the pack? No, I'm not going to be super shocked, but I highly doubt that Naheem Hines doesn't get 40-plus percent of the snaps this week with a lot of rushes and pass-catching attempts against Green Bay. I'm I'm buying into it. I have him as an RB2 this week, and I think he uh, he earned that last week, but time will tell. I'd like to note as well, um, he's been good, man, when given the touches. I noted this on the patron pod. Um, yeah, the patron waiver pod. Hine, Naheem Hines' PPR points in games where he saw at least eight touches, 27, 10, 6, 21, 29. This guy puts up numbers when he gets touches, man. Eight isn't even a big ask. And against Green Bay, I expect him to get at least eight touches. So I like him as a play this week. He's my preferred yeah. play of them. How do you guys like Jordan Wilkins this week? TD dependent flex play. Him and Taylor, I think. Yeah. I don't know, I like him to get a I like him to get a touchdown this week. I think that uh the Packers have been so beatable on the ground. I just don't see Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines being the main guy on the ground. So I think it's gonna be Wilkins. But that's a that's just like a hunch kind of thing. Um, let's talk about the Colts wide receivers. You talked about the Patreon pod. You talked on the Patreon pod about Michael Pittman. Um, Michael Pittman looks like he's becoming the number one option for the Colts. Yeah, Pittman is someone we've spoken about a lot on the waiver pod because we are fans of his, fans of his, and there is a clear path to playing time. And he returned, and he has taken full advantage of that path. And this week, this week is not the week to target him, uh, in my opinion, against Green Bay, if Jair Alexander returns. And overall, their past defense has been improving as well. A lot of worse defenses in the beginning of the year have been stepping up of late. It's a very, 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 very tough matchup if Jair Alexander plays. He was dealing with a concussion, so I'd be surprised if he misses a second week. So that's if he doesn't play, I think Michael Pittman would step into the wide receiver three territory. He really separated himself from the pack this week. He played the uh, the most snaps, 81% of snaps, 10 more snaps than any other receiver on the team. Uh, he saw the eight targets, went over 100 yards, was super involved in the offense. So Michael Pittman is certainly on the rise. It's just I don't know if it's going to be this game, especially if Jair Alexander plays. Something you're going to have to keep an eye on or we'll keep an eye on for you and you know follow us on Twitter and all that good stuff at Proto Fantasy, and we will be updating rankings and such based on injuries and things of that sort as well. I really think Pittman's going to be a league winner. If wow. you look at the schedule coming up, Tennessee, Houston, Vegas, Houston, Pitt. He's the one, number one receiver for that offense, and I'm going to love me some Pittman, and I love me some Pittman this week if J.R. Alexander is out. Yeah, it's very J.R. Alexander dependent. <laughs> um, you're not playing Phillip Rivers by any stretch of the imagination. You're not playing any of the other wide receivers. Let's go to the tight end. Trey Burton, two weeks in a row of duds. Molly Cox, mm. um, not sure about the status of Jack Doyle or, or whether he's going to be back this week, but even if he is, not someone you're considering playing. Uh, the Colts offense and their tight ends, you just got to like, ugh, and just bleh. Yeah, and I mean, Jack Doyle was out, and Noah Togai played 23% of the snaps. I know a Togai. <laughs> yeah, really? His name is Noah. Let's go over to the Chiefs at the Raiders. Yo, That's you guys peep, there's a guy on the Vikings named Hercules Motherfucker. <laughs> no. Hercules Mulligan. Deadass, the best name ever. 
dude. Hercules Mataafaka. Mataafa. Yeah, it's not Mataafaka, man. It's Mataafa. But come on, Mar- Hercules Mataafa. <laughs> you can make it sound like Mataafaka. I mean, anyone who names their kid Hercules is alright by me. Wait, Tim, are uh, we up to the Chiefs and Raiders? Yes. Oh, so it's Sunday night football on, on MSG. MSG. The Chiefs and the Raiders. All the best on TV. You're just, we're going to get sued one day because you don't change anything except the words MSG. Mello and the Knicks are the best on TV in honor of the draft tonight in which the Knicks took a guy whose highlight reel is dunks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get this. Give me one second. You're Listen. watching an ad looking for a video. <laughs> Your song sounds nothing like Wow, that. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> that wasn't the Friday Night Knicks on MSG. We're talking Friday Night Knicks on yes. MSG. You got Friday front row Knicks seats. Do it just to get there. Well, what was yeah, the man. mellow part? Mellow when the Knicks are the best. That was made up. <laughs> no, we made that up, dude. You <laughs> guys <laughs> uh, are the worst. We just changed NBC <laughs> to MSG. <laughs> <laughs> we did. That's what I was trying to tell you for weeks. That makes it even funnier. I hate you guys. I love you, but I hate you. So I just want you to know that. Uh, the Chiefs and the Raiders. It, the Raiders always <laughs> play the Chiefs tough, man. And they, on paper, this looks like a Chiefs uh, blowout type situation. But the Raiders always play the Chiefs, Chiefs tough. This is what you get with division games because the Raiders are built to compete with the Chiefs. They are com- you, Their whole team is built to compete with the Chiefs. They're even in the Chiefs' vein. And you saw the last time Henry Ruggs played the Chiefs, he caught a big one. And the Raiders won that game, and and Derek Carr had a had a big game, and and the Raiders play, always play the Chiefs tough. That's that's basically what they, I'm trying to say. They beat so, the they beat the Chiefs earlier this year. They beat the Chiefs. Josh Jacobs coming off of two uh, touchdowns again. Last time he played the Chiefs, he had two touchdowns. How are we feeling about Josh Jacobs in a very beatable matchup with the Chiefs? See, like I agree with everything you're saying, but. Andy Reid is historically one of the best coaches off a bye ever. And this is a division game against an opponent that already beat them. Mm -mm. There's a 0% chance in my mind that Las Vegas beats KC, and it's anywhere near what we saw last time. Like, I think this is going to be a completely different game. Like, I look, I do think Josh Jacobs is going to get a ton of work, as he has been, and he's finally setting a nice floor for himself. Over the last three weeks, he's been uh, RB15, RB10, and RB2. Prior to that, we know he was having a terrible stretch, and he's getting a ton of work. He even caught four passes last week, which was nice to see. A little touchdown dependent, but I'm happily firing up Josh Jacobs this week. It's the other guys that I'm more concerned about, the Derek Carrs, Nelson Aguilars, Henry Ruggs. I don't think, I'm not trusting Aguilar and Ruggs this week. I'm just, I'm going... Jacobs and Waller, and leaving it at that. See, th- this like you said, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches off a of bye, and I agree with you. The Raiders, though, uh, were beat them in the passing game last week. Last time they played. Now, yes, Josh Jacobs had two touchdowns, but he wasn't great on the ground, and that's where they concentrated stopping Josh Jacobs. And what happened was they passed on him. So it's it's there is something to be said about maybe the Chiefs switch up that game plan, concentrate on stopping the pass like they do against every other team, and let that run funnel happen. Uh, I mean, 
you have to start Darren Waller no matter the matchup. And I think Michael basically summed up the Raiders. Let's go over to the Chiefs. Um, now, obviously, there are certain Chiefs that you don't have to ask questions about, especially against the Raiders. You just start them. Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Um, but this does leave some options open. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's been trashed since he's been with the Chiefs. Uh, CEH has lost playing time, though, as a result. So Le'Veon Bell is just kind of being a spoiler rather than giving any value himself. How do you feel about CEH in this game? It's a little concerning, you know, like if you look at the last three games for the Chiefs, CEH had nine touches, nine touches, eight touches. Like nine, nine, and eight is not something you want. But at the end of the day, he's been a top 20 running back twice because he's the lead running back on the Chiefs. And that means something. And the last time we saw the Chiefs on the field, Darrell Williams inexplicably played almost every third down. I like I don't have anything to back this up, but I just feel like that's not going to be the case. Like, why would you have CEH and Le'Veon Bell and use Darrell Williams as your every down, um, every third down running back? I just expect Edwards Alaire to play a little bit more this week, and um, I'm he's the starting running back for the Chiefs is someone that he's an RB two, not RB one like we expected, but he has upside, man. If he touches the ball a little bit more. He has upside. And it's a decent matchup against Las Vegas. So I'm with you, Jay. I'm uh I'm leaving Le'Veon Bell nice and tucked in. Bring him a nice cup of warm milk. Just leave him leave him this week. And uh CEH I do think has some RB two upside, man. Like you said, he's been getting uh two top twenty finishes despite the lack of touches. He had at least ten rushes every game before Bell got there, and he was he was playing well. He just wasn't finding the end zone. Now he's finding the end zone more. Decent matchup against Las Vegas. Coming off a bye, I'm firing up CEH. If it's another like big down game, I'm going to be very concerned. Um, but I, I do think this is going to be like it's going to be clear this is CEH's backfield and he's going to have a big game. McCall Hardman still on the COVID IR. Any interest in Sammy Watkins? Uh, it's not Week One, Tim. So why are you even asking? Oh, shit, it's not? Yeah, but with that being said, yeah, uh, not only is Sammy Watkins always very up and down, I'm not going to trust him from, um, what's it called, coming back from an injury, like a a long delay. You're going to trust Sammy Watkins coming back from that? No, thank you. Same goes for Demarcus Robinson. I'm not trusting him. Fire up Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, CEH. Leave it at that. Uh, Let's go over to our last game. Monday night football on suck my balls twins uh Rams at the Buccaneers I'll take it the Rams, the Rams defense has been uh phenomenal um but Tom Brady is Tom Brady uh let's go over to the Buck side Tom Brady was very good last week Mike Evans is probably going to draw Jalen Ramsey so that doesn't bode well but uh, Chris Godwin has a plus matchup in the slot. And Antonio Brown is getting more and more comfortable. How do you feel about these pass-catching options? Look, I said last week, don't be surprised if Russ Wilson has a classic Russ Wilson in- interdivision bad game. And that's what happened. And he did not surpass 300 yards. So make that 9 out of 10 quarterbacks, or 8 out of 9, um, that the Rams have faced that have not surpassed 300 yards. I'm so confused by Tom Brady's ranking this week. And Tom Brady is now playing the Rams, and me and Michael both agree. 
um, that he's not a quarterback one. We both moved him down our rankings and both have him at 17. I swear we didn't do our rankings together this week. Um, he's been touchdown dependent. He's needs to throw touchdowns to do well. And of course he's been doing well in that sense, but this is just a, a tough matchup, man. And I'm not sold that 43 year old or four, however old he is. Tom Brady can keep up with the Rams after what they did to Russ Wilson last 43, week. 43 bro. Don't disrespect, but I agree, dude. Like I don't, I'm confused. Like we've seen this entire season that, the games which Tom Brady doesn't throw multiple touchdowns, like every time he's thrown one touchdown, third he ended QB thirty, one touchdown, ended QB nineteen, two touchdowns, ended QB twenty, zero touchdowns, QB thirty. He has and then two touchdowns, QB nine. He has one game as a QB one this year when he's thrown two or less touchdowns, and it's like. Is he going to throw two touchdowns against the Rams? Like, the Rams' defense, I think people are underestimating how ridiculously good this defense has been this season. Like, they are nowhere near a team that you want to play against. And according to the PFF O-line, D-line chart, this is the third worst passing O-line matchup this week, Tampa Bay versus that defensive line. So I'm all aboard the not Tom Brady train this week. And you know that the way to get Tom Brady is to do that uh, a little bit of breaking news here um so ian rapaport is is texting reporting. you <laughs> uh yeah he's got my number uh nearly the entire raiders starting defense is going on the COVID 19 list because of high risk close contacts but all are eligible to play in the game if they continue to test negative sources tell uh him so keep that in mind for the raiders and the chiefs you're already starting your chiefs but it might be an even juicier matchup if the Raiders' entire defense can't go. Yeah, hot damn. Um, uh, the Bucks' backfield, Ronald Jones, went absolutely apeshit yesterday. I mean, last week, 98-yard run. And I think there is something to be said about the fact that Bruce Arians is known for if Ronald Jones fumbles, if anyone fumbles in general, that's the end. And he fumbled and he got back on it. And not only did he fumble and then get back on it, he fumbled and then ran for 198 yards. So... For a guy like Bruce Arians, I think that matters, um, that he bounced back. He finally earned Arians' trust, and he bounced back. Uh, Fournette had a bad game in an easy matchup. For me, I like Ronald Jones in this backfield going forward of the two. I'm not saying here, sitting here saying that start every Ronald Jones every week, but I do think that Ronald Jones is a quality start against the Rams. <clears throat> Man, the only thing clear about this backfield is the fact that it's ridiculously unclear. And sure, like if you have Ronald Jones, you're likely going to start him. If you have Leonard Fournette, you may be starting him. But it's it's completely game dependent. Like it's entirely game dependent who is going to be the lead guy. Like if the Bucks are leading, Ronald Jones is going to be getting carries. If the Bucks are trailing, Leonard Fournette is going to be in getting carries and targets. Like. It's literally a complete toss-up week after week which one of these guys is going to be the bigger fantasy football beneficiary. And against the Rams, I wouldn't be shocked if they're trailing, and then that means more Leonard Fournette. But Ronald Jones is going to be the first guy in line, so I do prefer him. It's just a mess in that backfield. I think they're both flex plays, even though Ronald Jones has shown the ability to have huge games. He also has shown the ability to be huge 
disappointment. Like prior to his finish last year as RB4 overall, he was RB42 and RB50. Like that's what you're getting here. I do uh, want to make a else? note that the no. games where Ronald Jones has had at least 20 touches, he's put up 16. This it's a is lot half of touches. PPR points. Yeah. <laughs> 16, 14, 25, 24. It's not a matter of who. Like, it, it's a matter of who. That That's what I just said the opposite of what I want. <laughs> like, you know that if someone gets touches with, a to, with Tom Brady at the helm, they're going to do well. Um, but h- how often is Ronald Jones going to get 20 touches? It's happened about half the games. In this game, I think that that might be on the table because the Rams are going to try and control the ball. They're going to run the ball with their three running backs. You know that they are. So let's go over to the Rams side. Actually, let's not. Oh, that was a f- smooth transition. I fucked it up. Um, we forgot to talk about Gronk. Well, and the wide receivers. You just barely touched on them. I do want to say, look, Evans saw 11 targets last week. Had a great game. That was kind of... Shocking, but if he's going to be getting targets, he's going to be useful. This week is likely the week to avoid him, though, with Jalen Ramsey um, more than likely covering him most of the game. Antonio Brown only played 49% of snaps last week, but saw eight targets, so he's clearly getting involved. And then you got Chris Godwin, who played 90% of snaps, saw six targets, which was the least of the three. But this week he gets Troy Hill in the slot, who has been by far the most exploitable matchup on the Rams um, in their secondary so I like Chris Godwin by far the most of the three this week. I think Evans and Brown are far. very risky. And I'll touch on Gronk because this gets back to my rant from earlier. People want to rank Noah Fant ahead of him. People want to rank Mike Kosicki ahead of him. Whoever they're ranking ahead of him. Look, right now, tight end is a touchdown-dependent position. Gronkowski has four touchdowns in the last five games. And you know what his finishes have been in those last five games? Tight end 6, tight end 2, tight end 4, tight end 48, tight end 1. Four yeah. out of the last five weeks, he's been tight end 6 or better. He caught two okay. passes last weekend, and that is tight end 1. He's a top 5 tight end. I agree. I'm starting Gronk. I think it's a little ridiculous that people are hating on him, too. All right. Uh, let's go over to the other side for our last team of the week, and that is the Los Angeles Rams. I think it is very clear what the Rams are doing here. The what? Rams... <laughs> What's what? clear about the Rams, Tim? They have they're, three they're, running backs, well, three they're running wide receivers, the ball nonstop. two oh tight ends. Yo, is it because it's midnight that you're like, you? I can't get more than three words in before you guys cut me off by yelling at me? You deserve to be yelled like... at. Say better things. I I feel like I didn't do my homework and and dad's yelling at me right now. Just shut the hell up and listen. Um, It's very predictable what they're doing. And that's they're going to run the ball. They're a run first offense. And they have three running backs that you can't really tell who they're going to pass to. Now, Tampa Loser. Sorry. Why would you you cut me off to talk to Jason? I don't understand. (laughs) Nailed Um, it. Uh. They do have a low DVOA against the tight end. So if this is a any week to start a Rams tight end, I think this is the one. I would I would start Higby or Everett because again you're taking a shot on tight end. So why not take a shot on tight ends with good matchups? Um, besides that though, it's hard to see a situation. Robert Woods hasn't been good. We went over on Monday that Josh Reynolds has basically been the the leader of this wide receiver core since week four. So. I I don't know. It's a, it's very murky for the Rams. I don't know who to start on this team. Why don't you guys go ahead and take it away since you like to yell at me? 
I was just going to add to that. Um, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, oh, thank. Oh, okay. Oh, so suck it. I mean, uh, I'm not starting Higby or Everett this week. I do see the appeal because of the matchup, but I do want to say, look, the Rams just lost Andrew Whitworth, and Jared Goff struggles against pressure, and Todd Bowles has blitzed 42% of the time this year. Oh boy. In Tampa Bay. So I think Tampa Bay is actually a very sneaky defense. I picked them up in our home league, and I'm starting them. I think that could end up being a slobber knocker defensive game this Monday night um, when people are expecting a high-scoring affair. So I'm not really on board with these Rams wide receivers either because they've shown, I mean, like Robert Woods, for example, has shown a solid floor, but that upside that we've seen the last couple of years has basically disappeared. Like, because of the way that offense has been operating. Like, you could start them as wide receiver threes, but that's about it. Like, there's no more upside unless something changes in that offense. I feel like you're getting a little bit too low on the ice cream sandwich. Yeah, he's been a little bit more inconsistent recently, but Woods, like, he's still putting up points. He was the wide receiver three just like, the game right before Seattle. He was wide receiver 24 a little bit before that. Like, he's been more consistent this season, but he has been productive. I know, but, like, for example, the 469 receiving yards is, like... It's low. He's gonna. He, that's on pace to have less than 1,000 receiving yards this year, which is nowhere near what he's done the last couple of years. What I would say, though, is Cooper Cup, man, it's like the end of last year all over again. He played on 37 out of 70 snaps, whereas Gerald Everett played more at 43, and Tyler Higby was almost an every-down player at 59. Maybe as the weather gets colder, Sean McVay likes to use tight ends more. He wants the big guys out there to keep him warm. I don't know. But it looks like that that trend might be starting again. Higby had four targets two weeks ago, six targets last week. Pick him up if he's available. Interesting. Just speculatively, this is when he started to turn up last season <laughs> as well. And then with the running backs, again, like it seemed like Malcolm Brown was the goal line back. Then it turned into Daryl Henderson, and then it was Malcolm Brown again. This hurts Henderson more than anything because it seemed like Henderson was – Pulling ahead a little bit. But then go Cam Akers goes and gets the most rushes last week. So if I had to choose one, it's Malcolm Brown because he seems to be the goal line passing Ugh. back. Ugh. But at this point, it's Malcolm Brown for me. Malcolm Brown? No. I don't know how you could start any of them confidently. Malcolm against... Brown is the goal line and passing back at the moment. Against Tampa ah. Bay, too? Against Tampa Bay, how are you going to start any of them confidently? That's the answer. None. None the answer, the answer is none if you can. But Daryl Henderson is, I think, is clearly the the answer in this back. Why? We've why seen, are you like so obsessed with Daryl Henderson? He had him, seven carries seen, to Acres ten last week. Yeah, but Acres sucked, and we've seen Daryl Henderson dominate the backfield when all three guys are healthy in the past. We've never seen it out of the other, other out of the other. Not season. recently. Yeah, not recently. Not recently, but we've seen it. Malcolm Brown had two touchdowns last week. Sure, but he was also inefficient. Malcolm Brown had more touches than Daryl Henderson in week eight. Before their bye week. And who had more points, fantasy-wise? Malcolm Brown had more points last week. What are you talking about? No, um, before their bye week in week eight. Oh, Miami? That was Malcolm Brown, too, because Malcolm Brown, didn't he score that game? Or am I bugging? Brown had seven fantasy points. Yeah, Henderson had six. six. Oh, shit. 
Well, either way, I, I've still looked. <laughs> <laughs> the, answer, the answer is no one, but I'm. if I had to go with one of them, I'm still going with Daryl Henderson because he. we've seen him dominate the backfield touches with three guys, although it doesn't seem like anyone is going to dominate the backfield Three guys are crying. Uh, three guys are right? getting a lot of points, but none of them are getting points for me. God. Jason, why don't you why, don't I mean, you why do didn't you the, say for you? Like the ending part. Let's see how you let's see. Go, go ahead, Jason. Do the do the ending part. You want me to sign off? Yeah, sign off. Well, first I want to tell the people about Party Belts, the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. Please go to partybelts.com and use code Brodo for 15% off. Jason, for, your ad voice is pissing me off. For a $30 belt that is super cool. It holds your beers and it is one size fits all. Totally nailed it. They should hire me for TV. I have a good ad voice. For the television set? Something else we want to talk about is our Patreon. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. New podcast every week. Discord, super fun. Just had someone join today. Big Mike was good. Thanks for joining. Um, Holler at us there. Good stuff. You can DM us as well if you have people in your league. We have people. We have patrons who are in leagues against each other who found us through one of the patrons, if that makes sense. So if you want to keep us a secret, although we love um, more people listening, you can DM us on Patreon. Um, aside from that, we release stuff every day on the website. And then you could find us at Brodo Fantasy. I am at Brodo FF Jason. Michael's at Brodo FF Mike. Tim's at Brodo FF Tim. I feel like there's some weird reason why he's making me do this and he looks eager. So I'm just going to keep talking and not let Tim say anything. <laughs> I just don't know why you signed off for me because Tim. Tim turned around with a evil face on when I started saying my name. So I just said your guys' names, Tim, do you want to say I will anything? Say, I will say this. My students always give me shit too, because I'm, I'm teaching them through a computer and they, they're like, Mr. P, why you always look angry? I'm like, I'm not. This is how I read. I was reading on the screen. Oh, like, okay. I just, yeah. I'm just, it's 12.07 a.m. I woke up early this morning. I've I've given everything I have to the player analysis. I'm just, I just don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> right, I get it. Well, I did it. I signed off for you, kid. Thanks. You forgot at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and did also BrotoFantasy.com for all your fantasy needs. But, you know, it was a good start for the first time. It's I give not you the like first time. I host when you're not on. It's terrible. Then you, you should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at Brodo Fantasy for all the updates going into the week and for any start sit decisions. And also to remind Jason that he lost to me three times in a row. Um, there it is. Uh, Swoops, there you know, it is. Don't worry. This, the, the, campaign, the campaign is going all week, and I'm considering continuing the campaign uh, through next week and until Jason beats me, which is possibly never for the remainder of the season. So with that being said, suck it, Jason. Bye, everyone else. Later. Later.